Welcome, we're your hosts Alicia and Whitney on Coming Coming Up Higher, where we're creating space through conversations, special guests, and inspiration for you to come up higher in the things of Christ in everyday life. Hey, Come Up Crew, welcome to another episode of Coming Up Higher and um, we have a great testimony for you today. We we love this guy. We love his heart. He's got such a pastor's father's heart. He's actually been a pastor for over 40 years. Um, his name is Charlie Stevens, and we're just so blessed to know him. And we know you guys are going to be blessed by today's episode, hearing his testimony of going um, from being in foster care and into drugs to becoming a foster parent and even fostering over 170 kids throughout 20 years of him being a foster parent and also his work in orphanages overseas and in Kenya and India and a few other places but he's just got such a sweetheart and uh, heart for the Lord and we know you guys are going to be encouraged by Charlie Stevens today. Hey everyone, welcome to Coming Up Higher. It's Alicia and Whitney here, and we have a special guest for you guys today. We are welcoming Charlie Stevens to the show, and we are just uh, blessed to know Charlie. He's a big supporter of our ministry. We're a big supporter of his, Mm -hmm. and you'll find out a little bit more about that later in in what he does, And um, but it's just about dang time we had him on the podcast, (laughs) and so we know you guys are going to be blessed hearing his testimony, and so come up crew let's welcome charlie stevens today welcome hey well thank you very much it's a privilege to be with you and i'm just excited how the lord has been using you girls in ministry and looking forward to reading your book alicia oh thank you i'm, I'm excited for the release coming coming in october so yeah charlie he's um actually a member of our fam club yep <laughs> um he's been a faithful supporter of our ministry ever since we uh, started going to church together and we've just always um, loved his heart and his ministry. He works, um, you know, alongside widows and orphans around the world. And actually, our nonprofit, Keeping It Global, sponsors um, six children through his ministries in Kenya and India uh, that he helps out and partners with. So uh, a lot of great things, great things, uh, great ministry connections. And it's just so awesome when... I love, I love it when God brings ministries together because so many times like it can turn into competition or jealousy or, you know, we, we want to be the ones doing it, but, uh, I know it's our heart and yours too, Charlie, that we just want to help each other out and we just, it's all for the kingdom. It's not about us. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you win, we win. And when we win, you win. So I just, I just love that. Uh, we have that friendship like that with you. And I love it also. It's um, wonderful to be able to support each other. And like you say, we're all working for God's kingdom and giving him the glory. That's right. Grateful to work with you. (laughs) Thank you. Likewise. And you have a beautiful wife, Marty, and Mm -hmm. you have children. How many children do you have uh, together? You know, yours and hers? Well, I have eight biological children, two I adopted, and two stepchildren. So I have a total of 12, and I have 17 grandchildren. So I'm a very blessed. Yes. Yes. And listeners, just so you know, he's um, fostered over, I believe it was 170? 120? 120, something like that? 170, yeah. Actually lived with me in the home here and been able to minister to the children. I've been doing it for 20 years. 
And for 10 of those years, we had 12 children at a time. So, wow. yep, it's been a, a way to minister and, and um, it's definitely needed. If anybody out there uh, is asking the Lord how they can be used, if you've ever felt led to, to be a parent or a mentor for children, um, there's so many children out there that really are in need. So mm. I just would encourage you. I'd be glad to help you and give you the information if, if you were interested in it. I've actually, some people from our church had asked me about it, and they too now are foster parents. I think, wow. you know, Gary and, and Chris. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Donna Clevenger. There's a few of them that I spoke to, and praise God, God pricked their hearts, and now they have children that they minister wow. to. Wow, that's amazing. It is such a needed ministry in this hour, and mm-hmm. um, and I just admire you and and uh, for for twenty over twenty years for for all that you've invested in kids' lives, but that that started out of a heart cry of your own and in your own testimony. And so we would love to dive into the beginning of of your testimony and and what led you to this point you are now in in the ministry. Okay, and before I share my testimony, maybe I can just tell you how I got into foster care. I was working at a boys ranch, uh, the LUC boys ranch, and I worked there for about two and a half years. And um, I also was a system pastor at a little church called River of Life on Bird Road. It's no longer there. But I had a couple of uh, young, uh, I think, eight and nine-year-old children that were in foster care that came to the church. I was able to lead them to the Lord, and I just it was the Lord started pricking my heart and said, you know, you'd be an awesome foster parent. You know, you could, their foster parents were non-Christians. Fortunately, they lived across the street from the church. So they came to the church and I just, that's when the Lord first put it in my heart. You know how the Lord plants a little seed and then he comes along and waters it. I know that's our salvation too, but it's also in ministry. He does that. But anyway, I was working at the boys ranch and I I saw those children out there. A lot of them I felt would be so much better if they had a mother and a father instead of being in a residential center, which with a bunch of other troubled teenagers, because they actually were picking up a lot of bad traits. Some of the other teens brought into the Mm -hmm. uh, residential center. And I used to take some of them home with me for Christmas because they didn't have anybody that would come and see them and at Christmas and stuff. So I really had a heart for them. And then I watched a video online about a man that had a nervous breakdown and he was in a mental hospital and he was observing a lot of children were in this mental hospital. And he said, you know, I see a lot of these children. I understand why they're in here. But then I see a lot. I, I don't really understand why they're in here. There doesn't seem to be that much wrong with them. And uh, the man on on duty told him, well, that's because they have no place else to send the kids. You know, there's so many kids there and they can't live with their parents for different reasons. And there's no place else to send them. So they were sending them to the mental hospitals. And I said, oh, that just really pricked my heart. So I looked into foster care and that's how we got started. And I'm kind of getting sidetracked. But I was a foster child, as, as you mentioned, Lisa. God has taken me full circle. And yeah, I'd like to share my testimony now, if I could. Yeah, please do. And a lot of times about, oh, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago when uh, I was first asked to share a testimony at a cell group, and I actually have a home group 
we call it a life group in our church, but it's called life group or home group or cell group. And it's wonderful to get people together, like in the book of Acts, they met from home to home. And I see God really moving the church in that direction now. You really get close to people and you can open up to people when you have small groups like that. But anyway, I was asked to share my testimony. And and that week I was asked to share my testimony. I was reading in God's word uh, from Luke chapter eight uh, about the parable of the sower. And, and as I read it, I said, man, that's my life there. You know, it followed my testimony. So if you don't mind, I'd like to share a little bit of the word together with the testimony. Yeah. And I, I think most of your listeners are probably familiar with the parable of the sower. Is that okay with you? That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, a sower went out to sow a seed, and some fell by the wayside and was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And then he goes on, his disciples ask him, well, what exactly were you meaning in this parable? And he said, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So that first ground where he sowed the seed and, and the fowls of the air came and ate it, he said that those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And I was thinking, you know, well, how does a devil steal the word out of your heart? And there's so many ways by telling you, oh, you, you have a long life to live. Enjoy it now. You don't have to accept the Lord. But, you know, the older you get, the harder it gets to accept the Lord. And I think we were all in that first ground. You know, there were different things that the devil was lying to us and, and he, he came to steal, kill and destroy and that's one thing he really wants to steal is the, the word of God from your heart before you can accept it and believe. Mm -hmm. And so I think we were all in that category before we knew Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I'll leave it there. But some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And they are the rock are they which hear and receive the word with joy. But these have no root for a while and believe and in the time of temptation fall away. So you're probably asking, what does this have to do with your testimony? Well, I just wanted to share when I was 14 years old, uh, we moved from New Jersey to California. I, I was a jock. I loved I still am an athlete. Even as old as I am, I love to play basketball and football and baseball. I don't get to play as much as, as I used to play. All of my kids, uh, we grew up, and that's how I bonded with them. And they actually got scholarships for college and stuff through the athletics. That's awesome. But anyway... Yeah, I really liked athletics, but the kids in New Jersey said, oh, you're moving to California. And this is back in the 1960s. And if you know, back in the 1960s, the hippie movement was very big. And they all said, oh, you're going to go out to California and become a hippie. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, being a jock, I said, no way, you know, not me. Well, I think I spoke too soon. <laughs> so we moved to a little town called Grass Valley, California aptly named so what it was a lot of the hippies from san francisco at the time came and had communes on the yuba river right near grass valley california and they would sell drugs to the high school kids to get money to go out and buy groceries so i was um 14 years old, I dabbled in a little bit of marijuana, and I think I tried a couple other drugs back then. It was LSD and mescaline, but I really, you know, I was morally brought up right. My parents never read the Bible um, at home, but we did go to, we did our due diligence and went to church every Sunday, and my mom would try to keep my dad awake during the, the message, but I wasn't really taught much about God at home, but we did 
I did learn about God in church. And one Sunday when I was 14 years old, and I just felt like I really, and there was a, a Joe Stevens was his name, easy for me to remember my same last name, came to our church. He was a hellfire preacher from Texas. And uh, I went forward and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then later that night went and got water baptized. The funny thing about that, when we went home that day, my parents didn't seem very um, happy about me getting saved. And they were less happy about having to go back to church at night because mm -hmm. my dad had to work the next day, you know, so it wasn't a big thing. But, you know, when I got saved, I felt like the Lord really did. I really felt a need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I started to read his word, but because I never got hooked up in a youth ministry or anybody to mentor me, sadly, I truly fell away from the word. So I accepted it with joy. But before long, unfortunately, after about a month or even less, I started doing, got in with the wrong crowd and started doing even heavier drugs, more LSD, more smoking dope. And I got in a lot of trouble with the law, too. So I was like 15 years old and I got arrested for drugs and I was really into the drug scene and taken away from my parents and put in a foster home. And... Um, it was many years later when I was in a little island nation called American Samoa, and we can talk about that a little later. But I was, uh, I started my own business and, and was doing okay, but I was still really into drugs and going out partying, going to the nightclubs every night. I'd really turned away from the Lord. But something happened then. I, I was watching Jimmy Swagger, and you can interrupt me at any time, no, ladies. Good. I know. You're good. <laughs> So I was watching Jimmy Swaggart on TV with a joint in one hand and a Budweiser in the other hand. He was talking about being a phony Christian. And I think one of the biggest deceptions out there is a lot of people think, well, you go forward, you say a prayer and and you're saved for life and you can live any way you want. Well, the problem with that is I didn't really repent. And I know there's many people out there that have probably gone forward in a church, said the sinner's prayer and think, well, I booked my passage to heaven. Well, I don't know. I'm probably going to step on some toes here, but I don't believe once saved, always saved. Now, I know you can't pluck, no man can pluck you out of Jesus' hand, but I do believe you can jump out. Uh, unfortunately, I know many Christians that aren't followers of Jesus Christ. At one time, they profess to be Christian, or even now, they think they're Christians, but they never repented. You know what the Bible says about that, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So getting back to my story, sorry, I kind of got sidetracked, and you can butt in any time. <laughs> but getting back to my story, so here I am, 28 years old, I have my own businesses in Samoa, and um, smoking dope almost every day and partying all the time and watching Jimmy Swaggart on TV. This is before his fall and talking about uh, being a phony Christian. And that really pricked my heart. It was the Holy Spirit said, Charlie, that's you. You think you're a Christian, but you're a phony. You're not living for me at all. Mm. In fact, um, you know, you're not following me. You never repented. You're living a sinful life. And I thought about that for three or four days that week. And then all of a sudden, I went to make a deposit in the bank. I had to do that every day because of the businesses. And the uh, post office mistress came in, or I still remember her name, Jane Early, back in American Samoa, came in and said, Charlie, your son just been hit by a car and they're rushing him to the hospital. Hmm. And 
all of a sudden, you know, I said, well, is he all right? Well, we don't know. You have to go check at the hospital. Got in my car and I just broke down. You know, the Lord had been dealing with my heart. And I said, Lord, I know that this is happening because I haven't been living for you. And you've been trying to get me back on the right track. Well, Father, if you just let my son live, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to start serving you. And I really will make you the Lord of my life. I will repent because that's what the swagger message was about, how we needed to repent. and Our life needed to be different. Of course, one of my favorite verses is in Corinthians uh, 517. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creature and the old yeah. things are passed away and all things are become new. So anyway, I got to the hospital looking all over for my son. They finally said, oh, they just brought him in. And I went and saw a little boy with tubes and blood. And, and I said, oh, Lord, please just let him live. When I got over him, it wasn't my son. It was my little nephew who was with my son at the time. Well, to make a long story short, he went, he passed away, went to be with the Lord because he was only like two years old. But my son not only didn't nothing happened to him. He didn't even have a scratch. So I felt like the Lord answered my prayers above and beyond what I could ever ask for. Thing. So I started going back to church at that time, went to a Baptist church because that's, we were brought up as Southern Baptist and, and got very involved in the church, became a deacon in the church, even became the youth pastor mm-hmm. down in American Samoa. You know, they don't have a lot of uh, theological s- seminaries or colleges you can go to to become a pastor. So they made me a youth pastor. At the, I think I was like 29 years old or 30, only been uh, walking with the Lord really for two years. I think what I did is rededicate in my life. And this is another one. I might step on some toes when I ask the Lord, well, Lord, was I saved at 14 or was I saved when I rededicated my life and repented on the way to the hospital? And God said, Charlie, it, it doesn't matter. The, the question is, are you saved today? Hmm. You know, I think it's a daily walk. We need to pick up our cross every day yeah. and follow him and serve him. Yeah. So anyway, I just had to throw that in there. But I really changed my life. And I started, uh, like I say, I was a youth pastor at a church and, and life was going good. I got off of drugs and my business just boomed. At that time, I had just opened a second store. Well, then I opened a third store and a fourth store and a recording company. I had all that life had to offer. I built a house, paid for it with cash, had cars, traveled the world, went to New Zealand, Australia for like a month or two months at a time, even took my babysitter and Mm -hmm. just, you know, I had all the money and, you know, all the things the world had to offer. And about, I was married for seven years, had three wonderful children by my wife at that time. She came home one day and told me she didn't love me anymore, fell in love with a young missionary at at the church I was attending. He was preaching the gospel, but he was not living the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I had a problem with that. I said, Lord, how could you let this happen? You know, I'm a big tither in the church. And and, um, God kind of showed me that, Charlie, you said that I'm the Lord of your life, but you've put your wife first. You put your business. Back then, I used to work like 60 or 70, 80 hours. I loved my job, but I worked too much, and I wasn't spending enough time with my wife and my children, so I'm not laying it all on her, but uh, she fell in love with this other guy, and we ended up, there's not much you can do. We ended up getting divorced. She had fornicated with him and you know it was I tried to save our marriage but I wasn't able to but through all that you know a lot of times uh, you know 
God can turn something good. We know Romans 8, 28, for all things work for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And I know I was called according to his purpose. So my heart was broken, but I pulled myself together and I didn't turn away from God. In fact, that gave me a deeper walk with the Lord because he showed me, you put your wife, your business, your kids, your pleasures. I was like this third ground. And let me read what it says. And some fell among the third and the thorns sprang up and choked it. And then he explained it to his disciples. And they which fell among the thorns are they which, when they had heard the word, go forth and are choked with the cares, your business, the riches. I had a lot of money. And the pleasures of life, I was going around the world and bring no fruit to perfection. But I was not putting God first. And I wasn't bearing fruit. I wasn't really even telling people about him. So... My life went on. I really said, all right, from now on, I'm going to put you first. I even got a hat that said God first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I love to wear my, my Jesus hats. It, a lot of times it'll open up conversations. But um, as you girls know, later on in life, that's what God told me to name our ministry, God First Teaching Ministries, Inc. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I opened up our ministry and I, the Lord filled me with his Holy Spirit, which took me to a a whole nother level of serving him. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point a, a few years later where I said, I was reading in Isaiah and I said, here, my God, send me. And I thought, you know, at that time we were evangelizing. I was going with a church. I was a pastor at that time now at the uh, full gospel church in Samoa. And um, I said, send me Lord. And I was, we were evangelizing in different islands in Tonga, New Way, and some of the South Pacific islands. And I thought, well, maybe he's going to send me to Africa. I always had a dream of going to Africa. He placed that in my heart as a young kid. And later in the story, maybe I'll get to that a little bit if you want me to, but, um, or maybe back to Australia. I really liked Australia. I wouldn't want to be there now, but back then, <laughs> It was kind of a nice place to visit. But anyway, God sent me to Branson, Missouri, mm -hmm. and I gave up everything. I left my businesses. You know, I thought I had them sold, and um, the financing went through for the person that had agreed to buy the businesses. So I basically left over $100,000 and just left it all, left my house, left everything to come to Branson, Missouri and start a new life and oh, serve wow. the Lord full, you know, with all my heart, whatever he wanted me to do. Yeah. We had planned to come up here and train missionaries to plant churches back in, in the islands there in the South Pacific, because when we went and evangelized, they all wanted us to plant churches there, but we didn't have anybody to do it. So we were going to bring up uh, people from Tonga and Samoa and, and train them to go plant churches. But God had other ideas, and that's how I got into uh, fostering children, and I uh, pastored a little church in downtown Hollister called Church on the Go, and uh, did that for about six years, and we saw many great miracles, and many people were saved and baptized and healed, and uh, then my wife, I remarried, by the way, this was a few years earlier, got lupus, and, and um, for 10 years, she was in and out of the hospital, and after about five or six years of, of pastoring that church and having a group home and having my wife in the hospital, I got to a point, I said, Lord, uh, I just can't do all this. You know, what should I do? And that's when I gave up 
pastoring and he said, I want you now to go evangelize. Mm. And um, to make a long story short, my Lord, um, my Lord, my wife went to be with the Lord and she passed away, as you know, about four, five or six years now. But, you know, God, he always has a plan. And I've met my wife now about four years ago. We just had our fourth anniversary. I'm very happily married, and inherited two more children. And, and um, I now we can get into it later. I go to India and Africa. I take teams from our church, many of our church Members have gone with me, and and we've started orphanages uh, there and in the Philippines, and it's just been a blessing how the Lord, you know, I finally became that good ground, and mm. and the Lord will use you when you get to a point in your life where you're willing to die for yourself and live for Him, and you say, "Here am I, send me," and I know you girls are there, and He's sending you all over, and that's why it's exciting to see. And I just, in closing, would like to say anybody that thinks it's boring to live for the Lord and serve him, they don't know anything because God will give you above and beyond yes. what you could ask or think. And I just uh, really enjoy serving him. And now I'll be yeah. quiet. Let's you're go. fine. No, you're totally <laughs> ask fine. Ask me anything. I, you know, I hope that I, encouraged somebody. Oh, I'm sure it has. Yeah. It's encouraging to hear. But it's always encouraging to hear God's stories in people's lives. And mm -hmm. I once was blind, but now I see the those, those things, you know, I, I once was in bondage, but now I'm free. I mean, that's, that's, those are the hallmarks of, of living for Christ is, is, um, you know, just those breakthrough moments. But I kind of wanted to touch on something, um, sure. a little bit for, of your testimony. You know, you said God used Jimmy Swagger to, to point out ways that you were living that weren't supposed to be living well people that don't know jimmy swaggart you know had an affair later on and 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 then you know your wife had an affair and like there was these different moments where you're trying to live and had an affair with a missionary on top of that so someone that's supposed to be living for god and things as well as uh you know the pastors on tv and um and your own disappointments like how how did you reconcile or how did you because some people, especially in this day and age, will see that and say, well, Christians aren't real anyway. They're phonies and they're this and they're that. Like, you know, maybe Christianity isn't real. How did you resolve that in your heart? Was it just, you know, just having a strong relationship with the Father and experiencing Him for yourself? How did you push past life's disappointments and failings of others, really, to to establish your own good ground and strong faith? And that's a very good question, Alicia. One thing that God tells us that we need to do, and after the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you're not able to forgive others, he can't forgive you. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to forgive the people in your life that have done things like that missionary and my ex-wife. But I think what it is, is you need to have your eyes on, on the Lord, not on man. Man That's can good. let you down, you know. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Swaggart and that young missionary, they were both preaching God's word and it's the word that's anointed. I used to, you know, when my wife ran away with that young man, he was actually, I was seeing souls being saved when the, he preached, he knew the word, he wasn't living the word and, and he was a hypocrite. And I just, but I pray for him that, you know, he knows the word and God can use him mightily. But when he preached and he used the word, people would get saved because the word was anointed. Mm, and, um, you know, it's the word that saves people. But I had a very hard time forgiving when that happened. 
happen. But as I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I can't. And he said, no, I know you can't, but I can, Charlie. Wow. So he filled my heart with the, the ability to be able to forgive. And he can do that for you too. And he, mm -hmm. he needs to do it because not only do you hold that other person captive, but you hold yourself captive. And he came, like you said, to set the captives free. And sometimes that's free. You know, I deal with a lot of kids that have been through a lot of abuse. And one of the things that I really uh, minister to them about is they need to forgive those that have abused them and, and love them. I mean, you know, we're to love our enemies and it's not an easy thing to do, but with God's help, you know, we can only do it through the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Right. I hope yeah. that kind of answered your that's question. Really, yeah, that's an excellent answer because like she said, it, it can be so easy for people just to, to go through situations like that or to see failed marriages or, you know, people just people failing and, and falling and, and attribute that to God and just say, well, they're supposed to be Christians. They're supposed to go to church and, and all of this. And so if that's how they're acting, then I don't want any part of God or I don't, he must not be real or he must not be as, as good as people say he is. But you know, what you said was so key is that our faith should never be founded on a man or a woman like no matter how anointed they may seem no matter how much they know the word no matter how much we may look up to them or respect them at the end of the day they're human and for us to base our faith on them isn't fair to us but it's not fair to them either because that's putting them in god's position that's making them god of our lives and so i love I just love the the maturity that you had in the perspective that, yeah, these people are supposed to be serving God and yeah, maybe they've sown into my life or maybe my life has been impacted by them and then they go off and they fail, but I'm not following them. Yeah. I'm following Jesus Christ and that's, that's who I'm building my life on that foundation. And so when you... Amen. When you shared that like, yeah, I'll, you know, thing after thing after hard thing was happening in your life, but you never you never turned your back on God. You actually allowed it to draw you closer to him. And I think that's the difference is it's like, yeah, you know, we all experience things in life because we live in a fallen world, right? So whether it's divorce or loss or people leaving us or things like that, like we're all going to experience it. But when we have Christ, like the outcome is so different, mm -hmm. you know, like yes. thinking from a human perspective, you had every right to be angry and upset and mad at like that missionary or the pastor on TV for, for what they did and, and to be justified in it from a human perspective. But because of Christ, you were able to go beyond just a human perspective, experience forgiveness, experience wholeness, and God's blessed you through that. And, and just what you've walked through, you're able to help other people walk through. You're able to help bring about yeah. healing because God's done that in you. Yeah. And so I just Amen. want to encourage listeners out there, whatever you're walking through right now, whatever, um, whatever has happened in your life that's been hurtful or wounded you or left you broken, allow that to be an opportunity to draw closer to Jesus, not to drive a wedge, not mm. to, you know, because when we allow it to build a wall or drive a wedge, then that hurt just amplifies and yeah. it increases and it builds interest. You know, it gets bigger and bigger and that expanse feels wider and wider but if you can trust God enough to just say, all right, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense, but I'm going to give this to you and just trust that you're going to bring something good out of it. You'll be amazed at what God does in you, through you, and, and the outcome 
that comes from the situation that you're going through. Yeah, that's good. And Amen. Well and said. I, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that reminds me of two verses in James where count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations because that's how your faith is built up. And then, of course, the other one is Romans 8, 28, for all things work for the right. good. So you got to look at the good. And, and what you said, you know, I remember after my divorce and I had kind of gotten over it and remarried. And um, I had a man from the church come to me and say, you know, Charlie, my wife just ran away with my best friend and I, just, I don't know how I can deal with it. And like you said, God takes us through things, he, being a foster child and now ministering to foster children. Right. I know how they feel because of that. And uh, going through a divorce, I was able to minister to that um, man and, and help him through that situation because I had gone through it. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of reminds me, if you don't mind me, I'll give you a chance in just a second, Alicia. I know you want to say You're something, fine. but it reminds me of, I know it was hard when your dad went to be with the Lord, but I want you to know, you know, I lost my dad, I lost my mom, and I lost my wife all in the same year. Wow. But praise God, you know, it's not wrong to grieve, but God, and he came to comfort and heal the brokenhearted. You know, he sends us the comforter. And I know there's People in church with this COVID going on, there's a lot of people that are grieving right now and they don't know how they're going to carry on without their spouse or without their child that has gone to, to be with the Lord. And, and I was able to minister to my sister recently that lost her oldest child. Mm -hmm. But God will help you through that. He will comfort you. And, and you, we just got to encourage him. And you're going to get past this. And, you know, morning lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And and just realize, you know, it's a hard time, but we can get through it with God's help. And yeah. I don't know, I was just felt led to yeah. say that. Yeah, and I love I love your use of scripture. That's so important in our faith and to to just build yourself up in that and go back to what scripture says. And But I also love hearing people's testimonies. You know, we're called living epistles because we're, God's still writing his story through us and through our lives and, and his redemption story is still being played out and um, that's one thing we we've talked about is that restored people restore people to him. Amen. And oftentimes Amen. he asks us to go back to a deep place of hurt or, or something that he brought us through to help bring others through. And so I want to, not only are you fostering kids in your home, um, and have for over 20 years, but you also are extending past the United States and you have orphanages and are helping orphanages in um, Kenya and India and I believe Mozambique. And um, so why don't you tell us how you how you got involved in the international? We know you traveled before and for your work previously. And, and but um, tell us about the the orphanage work that you're doing now. It's exciting. I'd be glad to. So as I said, when I um, stepped down from being a senior pastor at church on the go there, it gave me more time. And I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, evangelize. So I went with Shane Grady, who uh, takes teams to the Philippines, and I was able to preach in a church in the Philippines. He has a wonderful uh, work there, you know, and, and I really love Shane and, and the people I went with there. I went with a couple of people from our church back then. It was Tri-Lakes Church. And just had a wonderful time uh, sharing God's word. But I've always had a heart to, to go different places and share his word. It's exciting. 
But every year at the beginning of the year, I fast and I pray and I seek God's guidance in his direction. We can plan our ways, but he directs our steps. And I was getting emails from a guy in in Kenya and uh, he was telling me about his work there and inviting me to come and and not only preach in his church, but also he told me about the orphanage. And I, I t- was thinking I would love to to go and, and be able to minister to them. But it was probably like three years later when I was in prayer and fasting. I think it was the year 2014. And God said, now I want you to go. And I said, God, I've been wanting to go. Where do you want me to go? To Kenya, to Bishop Moses. I've heard his prayers and, and I need you to go there. So I took a couple of guys with me. We traveled to Kenya, Mike Weber and his son, Daniel Weber, and we went to spy it out. And it was funny. We got to Nairobi and we met a, another bishop that got us. Uh, we went in and was able to teach in churches. I was able to preach in a church. He just opened in the, the very slums of Nairobi. And boy, if, if you haven't seen poverty until you've gone to the slums in Nairobi, it was it was an eye opener. It makes us really realize how blessed we are here. I had been to third world countries before, but nothing is like that. But I was able to preach right there in, inside of the, uh, where these people lived, and it was wonderful. But he tried to talk us not into going to the other side of Kenya where we were called to go. But I just knew that that's where God wanted us. So to make a long story short, we went there. We we helped them establish this orphanage. They were already watching about 40 or 50 children. But they were basically, you know, the funny story on the way there. So it took eight hours to get there. And the roads in Kenya are terrible. And we were all crammed in a little car with suitcases on the top of the car. And it was quite a ride. We were so tired when we got to Kissy Kenya on the other side. And uh, we were ready to get in our hotel and have a rest. But uh, Bishop Moses said, no, the kids, are, they, they really want to see you. And can we stop at the store and just get some bread and some uh, uh, soda to go along? You know, we thought to go along with the meal that they've already prepared. So we stopped at a store, got like 10 or 20 loaves of bread and some uh, soda. We got to the orphanage and it was wonderful, you know, 50 little kids out there singing about the love of Jesus and welcoming us and hugging us. And so we broke out the bread and we broke out the soda. They mixed it with water. And I have never seen kids so hungry like that before in my life. Well, it turns out they hadn't eaten for three days. They had been drinking warm water just to fill their bellies and and praising God and asking God to send somebody. You know, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've ever read the story of George Mueller in in, uh, England, you know, but he was praying one time. He had an orphanage and was praying and somebody pulled up with a wagon of food right in the middle of their prayer. They had nothing to eat. But anyway, it was kind of like that. But that just really touched my heart. And we've been helping them ever since. It's been uh, going on seven years now. We've been uh, meeting their needs. You know, uh, something good that came out of the corona, you know, if you look for something good can always come out of bad situations. You know, when you serve the Lord, you realize that. So I was asking the Lord, Lord, I can't go over there to support him. Um, but I really want to help them out. So I've started doing these daily devotions now for the children and for their caretakers. And I send them on videos every day, you know, and they're so blessed watching them. You know, I, I stopped doing it for a little while and they all said, Charlie, you know, 
Pastor Charlie, you got to keep sending these, you know, we're, yeah. we're starving for the word. So I get to do that. So now, even though I'm not able to go there, I can still support them, not only physically, we have people that sponsor children, and you guys have been a big blessing and, and many others. And 100% of what I get for the children goes to feed the children. You know, we don't keep anything for ourselves. And sadly, a lot of ministries are not like that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I used to support ministries and then found out only 10% was actually going to feed the children. So it's discouraging, but yeah. you once again, keep your eyes on the Lord, you know, and he'll direct you to the right place to sow your seed. So we're able, yeah, we've just opened a couple of works in the Philippines. We got an orphanage in India. I went there to visit them, me and Daniel, and they had me preach 16 times in eight days. I thought I was just oh going goodness. to open an orphanage. Wow. Ended up preaching in front of hundreds and thousands of people. And, <laughs> and we saw people get saved and people get delivered. You know, God just, you know, the signs will follow the preaching of his word. And, and all that time I was a pastor and studying the word for all those sermons you know, it really came in handy because I didn't have anything. I didn't know I'm going to preach and stuff, right. but I had it all, you know, twice a day, here. basically. <laughs> yeah, it was twice a day, every yeah. day. And then I had to preach in front of 300 or more pastors at a pastor's convention. Um, and I think I preached two or three times that day. So, wow. But it was, uh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved yeah. God using me. And if you just surrender to him, you know, he doesn't call the, um, equipped, he equips the called, and yeah. he doesn't look for your ability, he looks for your availability. Because I always like that verse, I have it written down here, for you see your calling, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men noble have been called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised that God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring things that are, that all flesh wouldn't glory, uh, would give him all the glory. It's basically what it says. I paraphrase the last part there. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote that one down because it's too long for me to memorize it, but I just wanted to point out, I'm so glad because I never went to college, to theological college, you know, and I know there's some other people that God has used in mighty ways. Joyce Myers one comes to mind, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to college and if that's your calling, go to college, get that degree, get those licenses. But, you know, God is just looking for people that are surrendered totally to him and that are being willing to be used by him. Definitely. I'm sorry. I talk a lot. That's good. No, that's <laughs> all good things yep. that you're saying. Yeah. And just like you had Back to what you said earlier, it's just such an exciting life when you live it for the Lord. And your life is an example of that, just the things, the places that God's taken you, the experiences that you've had, but more importantly, the lives that you've been able to impact and touch because you've allowed Christ to work through you. It really is. I know there have been multiple times in our ministry where Alicia and I have just like looked at, over at each other and like, how did we get into this? This is amazing. Yeah. Like, Praise you know, God. Yeah, whether well, it's in our travels or like, you know, being able to do what we do on a day-to-day -day basis or just the people that we've met, the network, the networking and being, getting able to be on like TV and stuff. Like, it's just been amazing things that, like you said, like we've never felt qualified for. <laughs> we, it, didn't, we, we didn't have, we don't have what it takes, but it's just when you surrender your life. With to God, Christ, you can do all things. Exactly. We can do all things. And he... 
you know, he he covers our weaknesses, he covers our deficiencies and allows us We're to weak, stay. he's strong. Exactly. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners, I'm sure there are many out there that are hearing what you do and just have been inspired and touched by your story and want to partner with God's First Teaching Ministries and, and uh, maybe even support children. How could they go about doing that today? I appreciate you giving a chance for others to be a part of God's work. Because like you said in the beginning, it's all of us working together. We all work for one Lord and in his kingdom. And it takes all of us to work together. And I love what he says. Some people, you know, are called to be preachers, but there's people that are called to pray. And there's people that are called to teach Sunday schools. And there's people that are called to go to the uttermost parts of the world and preach the gospel or to start orphanages. But there's also people, you know, I was a businessman for 21 years. I had very successful businesses, but I always gave a lot. So there's people that can support missionaries and ministries. So whatever you're calling, you know, God wants to use you in a mighty way. But in answer to your question, if he wants to help out with uh, God First Teaching Ministries, Inc., I know it's a long one, dot com. We actually have a website and they can get on the website uh, to be a part of our work there. And, and um, you know, I, I keep you updated if you want to go on a mission trip or if you just want to pray for us. Um, you know, and I shouldn't say just want to pray because that's the most important thing you can do. <laughs> so forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but your prayers are what moves God and his prayers are more than, you know, God doesn't need our money. He can make money come out of fish's mouths, you know, right. but he just uh, he wants you to be a part of a ministry, whether it's a church on the go or Hope House or our ministry. It all falls under God first teaching ministries, Inc., but I've kind of split it up. So the Hope House is for the orphanages and the church on the go. We are the church and we are to go. And I, I get to preach the gospel and lead others to a saving grace. But we need to put God first in our life. And you need to put God first in your life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, I believe with all my heart, he's coming soon. You see what's happening in the world today. So you need to give your heart to the Lord. So if they want to uh, do that, or they could uh, actually give me a call on the phone, my number is 417-332-7556. Charlie Stevens is my name, and I'd be glad to um, speak to you and and let you know if you want to get involved with uh, our ministry overseas or even here at uh, Hope House here in in Missouri, Branson, Missouri, and, and minister to these children and get into foster care. You know, they're, they're looking for people to, to take these kids in. There's so many children and not enough places for them. Mm, yeah. That's a long That's answer. Wasn't no, it? it's, yeah. It's, so people know how to find you. That's awesome because we definitely need all all the, the help we can get mm-hmm. and help these kids and and maybe even get into the foster system and, and give these uh, kids a chance And when the world's just kind of turn their back on them. And so we just, I love your father's heart. Mm-hmm. You can tell you're a pastor. You could tell because you just have that shepherding father's heart. And that's just evident mm-hmm. in, in how you speak and how you live your life and, and how you give of your time and resources. And so we're honored to, to know you yes. and um, honored to have you on this podcast today. And um, I really encourage our listeners to go check out um, his ministry and, you know, you'd be surprised at how little it, it can be to, to 
truly change a child's life. If right. you even think if those kids hadn't eaten in a few days and, and we're so excited about a loaf of bread, a piece of bread, you know, or, and, and some soda, like just think of, of what we spend on coffees or, you know, just eating out and things like a little portion of our monthly expenses can go and, and truly just provide for basic human rights um, for children in different countries and, and you're helping make that happen. So thanks so much, Charlie, for being on. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's been a privilege. thank you. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and pray, uh, for our listeners and just, just sure. close out this episode. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your calling in our life. We thank you, Lord. You have a wonderful plan and purpose for each one of us. You knew us before we we came out of our mother's womb. You created us to give you glory, Lord. Help each one of us, Lord. You told us in your word that uh, your thoughts towards us are only good and your plans towards us are, are only good. And, and Lord, we just want to surrender our life to you. We want to be like Paul and say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh by the Son of God who died for me. Lord, help us to surrender totally to you and use us in a mighty way. Father, you told us that you give us above and beyond what we could ask or think, and I've seen it in my life, but you don't want to just do it in my life or in Alicia's life or in Whitney's life. You want to do it for everyone that's within hearing distance of my voice right now, Lord. Speak to hearts, Lord. Use people in a mighty way, Lord. Anoint us to be used from on high for your glory. And we just thank you for this time that we could get together to encourage others. And I pray especially for that soul out there that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that today will be his day of salvation. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Charlie, again, for being on the show and taking time to do this. And thank you, listeners, yeah. for tuning in and just spending your time with us as as we uh, talk about God and just the amazing things that he does to help us come up higher yep. in everyday life and also to help bring others up higher. So uh, we just enjoyed our time today and we look forward to getting back together next week. Yep. Take care. God bless. Thank you, girls. Keep up the good work. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. One of the best ways to come up higher is through worship. Our desire is to help you cultivate meaningful worship moments through the music we create. You can listen to our music on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you buy or stream music. Physical copies of our albums can be purchased on our website as well, aliciaandwhitney.com store. So join us in coming up higher together through worship.